This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. Oh, my name is Joe McDonald. From Belfast town I came. That city I will never see again. For in the town of Belfast I spent many happy days. I love that town in oh so many ways. For it's there I spent my childhood And found for me a wife I then set out to make for her a life But all my young ambitions Met with bitterness and hate I soon found myself inside a prison gate And you dare to go. Mason the glove save and the Flyers win the game. Fitting that Mason poses the deal. Flyers win the game in a shootout, a thriller here in South Philadelphia. Bruins and Gallant come back to force overtime and then the shootout. And the Flyers win. Divided many lands. You have terrorized their peoples. You ruled with. And iron hand And you brought this reign of terror To my land Through those five months internment In the maidstone and the maze I thought about my land Throughout those days Oh, nothing like a little wolf tones. And, of course, we play that for our next guest coming in here on a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire, live from Buffalo Wild Wings, 8 Loudon Road, Cochrane, New Hampshire. And our next guest is Joe McDonald of ESPN.com. Joey Mack, how you doing, buddy? Well, if you're a Buffalo Wild Wings, Murph, I'm actually in Buffalo. So, uh, you know, <laughs> but ne- never gets old hearing, uh, hearing Joe McDonald play uh, for the, the intro every time I'm on. I love it. Oh, there you go, my friend. So you're in Buffalo. Hey, nice. Are you, are you up there uh, doing a story on the Sabres? Uh, I've been following Jack Eichel around for the last few days, Murph. I was actually in Ottawa on Tuesday for his return. Uh, obviously, he missed the first 21 games of the season with a high ankle sprain and, and returned to, you know, to uh, the lineup on Tuesday. And uh, the Sabres host the New York Rangers uh, tonight, and then I'm um, here through the weekend for uh, the Bruins and Sabres on Saturday. So uh, just a oh, couple nice. of days with uh, good Boston kid, and, and there we go. Yeah, he's from our neck of the woods right near our Nashua studios. He's from Chelmsford, Mass. And uh, you mentioned his uh, return the other night. He had an instant impact, and it was almost like he wanted to cut. And I'm, I'm imagining you might have discussed this with him that he wanted to come right out amidst all the hype around Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and all the young stars rising up, Matthew Kachuk. And it was as if Eichel came in and said, hey, guys, what about me? Don't forget me here. I'm still around. And, and he delivered right away, led his team to, uh, 
in my eyes, an astonishing five goals against one of the stingiest teams of late, the Ottawa Senators, and they get the 5-4 victory. Uh, has that been one of his, has he kind of gone over that topic with you, that there are so many young stars getting hyped up right now, and maybe he kind of got lost in the mix there? Well, uh, great minds, Murph, because that's actually on the docket for tomorrow. Uh, oh, there I'm you go. To sit down, <laughs> I'm supposed to sit down with him tomorrow after practice and great. kind of discuss everything that has gone on so far this season with such a, a talented young pool of talent, uh, you know, throughout the league. But the one thing about, about Jack Eichel is, and the same could be said for Connor McDavid, uh, there was so much hype around, uh, you know, that draft class and, uh, and those guys. And, you know, it, it's almost like they don't, they don't like to discuss it. You know, they just want to focus on their team and they want to focus on the, the task at hand. So uh, the one thing that, you know, that Jack really talked about the other day um, was he knows that he has to make an, an immediate impact uh, in this lineup for the, the Buffalo Sabres to have some success. And as you mentioned, we saw that against the, the Senators on Tuesday. I mean, his first two shifts, you know, he gets an assist and scores a goal. Um, you know, and it's that kind of impact that's going to help the Sabres moving forward here. And uh, You could tell just even being in the locker room, you could tell, you know, just – what his presence on and off the ice means to this team. And, and I'm excited just to, to see the reception that he's going to get uh, from Sabres fans tonight being his first home game. Too. And it is, it is, you mentioned the, the presence and the effect he has on a team. And, we, you know, when you see that, it's easy to forget he's only, what, 19 now? He's 20 now, which is it's crazy. He's 20, think but about still, but yeah. He, yeah. It's crazy that these kids at this young age have such an amazing effect and presence, uh, you know, both on the ice and in the dressing room that their, their team evolves. I mean, Mac, we're, we're look, you look at Edmonton right now. I mean, if Connor McDavid's not on, they don't win. It's that simple. Yeah, and it's amazing that exactly. a kid that young has that much of an effect, right? Uh, no question. I mean, and, and I wrote this the other day, and I, and I don't think I'm the only one who, who believes this or who has written it, but I think – you know, fans are lucky because I think we're looking at, at a golden age of, of young talent. I mean, you think of, uh, you know, for example, all I have to do is look at Team North America for the World Cup. I mean, you're talking about players under the age of 24 oh. who, uh, you know, will dominate this game for a long time. And it's just not the McDavid's and the Eichel's and the, the Austin Matthews of the world. You know, it's, you know, Mark Shifley, you know, it's Johnny Goudreau. I mean, obviously Johnny Goudreau is a little older, you know, in, in that that realm, but um, there is just, certain, you know, Mitch Marner, we've talked about him. I mean, there's it, just so, it's such a deep pool of, of talent in this league now, and it's so exciting to watch. And I was talking to some of the, the Sabres and, and Rangers players today about that, uh, and I was talking to Rick Nash, and, and I asked him about it. And he, you know, he, he even mentioned, like, when he first broke into the league, how, you know, from then until now is just completely different. Uh, than it was, and you know, it's faster, stronger. It's just a, a an unbelievable game right now to watch, and it's it's only going to get better, you know, as these young kids develop. And it, a lot of it has to do with the salary cap, Aaron Murph. I mean, you know that. I mean, you know, teams have to stay underneath that cap, and, and in order to do that, they have to figure out ways of, of signing young players uh, to be successful. And it just so happens that. You know, the days of players developing uh, in the American Hockey League and then finally getting a chance in the NHL, those days are over. I mean, these top talent, these top prospects, they're spending zero time 
in the American League, and that's a that's a whole other you know show at, at another time to, to discuss that. But these kids are making an, an immediate impact, and it's just a lot of fun to watch, um, you know, from the fans' perspective, no doubt. Well, you, you bring that up, and what a great time it is for the game to have these young stars come in and make the immediate impact they are. And, and yet, unfortunately, you had to write about something quite on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh, helping grow the game and, and helping the PR of the league. The uh, NHLPA has apparently rejected the CBA extension uh, that the NHL asked for in return for them to play in the Olympics. Uh, Joe, talked about to us about this, and how much more does this point towards an eventual work stoppage again? You would hope not. I mean, we've seen too many of these in our career, Murph, and uh, you yep. hope that the, the sides get it figured out uh, you know, before September of, of 2022. And, and I don't know, you, you would hope that it doesn't lead to another work stoppage, but you mentioned, you know, what the league is trying to do in the NHLPA and the IOC trying to do right now as far as the Olympics are concerned for 2018. And uh, it's the PA will reject that three-year CBA extension offer. And, and I talked to a bunch of players about that this morning, and they said, well, of course the owners want, you know, an extension of this current CBA because it, it favors them. Um, and the players will be the first ones first ones to admit that, you know, maybe they came back too soon uh, in 2013. But the thing was, they, the lockout had lasted four months by the time they ratified the CBA. They wanted to get back. They didn't want to lose the season. So they, you know, didn't take it on the chin, but, you know, there were some, some concessions there that the players lost out on that once this CBA uh, expires in, in 20, uh, 2022, they don't want, they want to fix what they thought um, they lost out on this last time around. Um, you know, as far as the Olympics go, I think personally you're going to see NHL players in the Olympics because there's such a strong uh, dedication for these players to play at that level. They want to play for their country. Um, you know, you, you can bet NBC <laughs> wants, you know, NHL players in the Olympics. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, of figuring it out. And, but the problem is, you know, that the window here is closing. Uh, you know, they, they have that January 15th deadline where they have to figure out one way or the other if NHL players are going to be in there. But you mentioned, Murph, about growing the game. And I had a conversation with Henrik Lundqvist this morning, and I, I asked him that, and he had a great answer. He was like, look, like everything that, that the league is trying to do to, to grow this sport, and, you know, the World Cup was obviously an example of that. Well, you have the Olympics, which on that level, you build that brand, you know, in markets around the world. Um, and to have the best players um, compete in the Olympics, you know, is only good for the game. Um, yeah. And he wants NHL players in the Olympics. Um, it's just a matter of, of what they need to do in, in order to get that. But, you know, come come the 11th hour, I think it, it will get done because you can tell that these players want to compete in the uh, in the Winter Olympics, you know, in, in 2018. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's tough to see them already kind of throwing jabs back and forth because I imagine there's going to be something coming back there uh, about the escrow. We don't have time to get into all that, but it's, it's something to keep an eye on. I know we don't want to think about it, but it's definitely something you have to keep in the back of your head because I think there, there could be, uh, you know, some tough times ahead when it comes to the CBA, but I hope you're right. I hope they get it done, but 
I want to talk to you tonight about uh, the Bruins Hurricanes as well, Joe, and the, the Bruins welcoming the Carolina Hurricanes uh, to TD Garden. Both teams coming off tough losses, the Bruins in Philly, 3-2 in a shootout, and then the Hurricanes blowing a 2-0 lead and losing 3-2 to the Rangers at MSG. But the Carolina Hurricanes have, you know, as they always do, and no pun intended, have flown under the radar. Uh, this, this is a team that, you know, I mean, has a lot, a lot. We talk about young stars and young skill. There's some young star, like, skill on this team that aren't necessarily stars yet, eh? I mean, you look at guys like Victor Rask. Uh, or, or Stahlberg and uh, Noah Hannafin, they have got a good young core this, in this team, and I think they're really on the rise. They, they really are, Murph. And even going through, uh, you know, my preseason, you know, picks and you know, which teams I thought were going to make the playoffs and which teams were going to be out, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, you look at them and you're like, all right, what, what type of team are they, are they going to be? And, you, and you're right. I mean, they're they're right on the cusp of yeah. earning a, a, a playoff you know, or becoming a Stanley Cup playoff, you know, contender. Um, and even this season, you know, I know they're all, I think, I think they're five without looking at their record. I believe they're 500, yeah. uh, right around 500 at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, but you're right. They have such young talent um, and for everybody that, that you had mentioned. Um, and, you know, you add, you know, you add a little bit of, you know, veteran presence to that lineup and, you know, they're right there, you know, and you talk about, you know, guys like, you know, Cam Ward, who obviously has been around for a long time and has won a Stanley Cup and knows what it takes. Um, but they're an interesting team. Um, I like them. I, I still think even at this point, I mean, was, you know, we're only on to, to December 1st, which is incredible to think that December already. But I, I, I think that they have an opportunity to maybe sneak into the playoffs down the stretch. Um, I'm with you, you on know, that. Yeah, and, you know, once they gain some, some experience moving forward, you know, you have all these, these young kids on the team. I mean, even Pesci, you know, a kid who's, you know, back on defense, he, he's ready to break yep. out. I mean, I've seen him a few times where, you know, I'm impressed with him, and, and I just think that that defensive core, once they gain a little more experience, is going to be really good. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting game, you know, at, at TD Garden, you know, against the Bruins, uh, because, you know, coming in, and especially a guy like Noah Hannafin, you know, a local kid, you know he wants to come in and play well in front of the uh, – for his friends and family, too. Yeah, and I think last time they were in, uh, at the end of the season last year, he had, like, two goals and then got the winner in the shootout, and that was one of the games that kind of knocked the Bruins out of playoff contention. And by the way, you are right. They're pretty much exactly 500, 9, 9, and 4 with 22 points. And a name I don't want to forget either, Joe, you mentioned the defense they have, and that's really their strong point. Justin Falk as well. I mean, that's a kid who's going to be a stud in my eyes. So this is a tough team coming in. And on the other side of the ice there, the Bruins um, – you know, up until Tuesday, they seemed to have found their defensive identity again, Joe. And then they kind of just uh, they had some lapses. I won't say it was a complete lack of defensive effort against the uh, Flyers. But uh, the Flyers, of course, are a team that you can't let up on defense because they're so dangerous offensively. You would think coming into this game, it's going to tighten up a lot. And you mentioned Cam Ward, and then you got Tuka Rask at the other side. I'm kind of expecting a low-scoring game tonight. Well, the one thing that I would love to to maybe break down if it's all possible, which, you know, I don't really think you can you can at this point. But, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, you know, the Bruins' defense, you know, it's, it's coming around and it is it's tightening up and it, it's getting better. But, you know, the team's best defender needs to be its goaltender. And, and Rask, without a doubt, has been that guy this season. Uh, he's returned to form oh, yeah. kind of like we saw back in 2013 and, and during 
uh, you know, his Vesna season. So, um, you know, you take him out of the lineup, um, you know, I don't think people are talking about how well, you know, Boston's defense is doing. Um, they are improved. I, I agree with that. But I still think that depending on where they are around the trade deadline, that, you know, GM Don Sweeney's got to go out and, and add, add, you know, a veteran presence, you know, and not just any veteran, not just, you know, a guy who can compliment, but somebody who can make an impact, um, you know, mm. in, in a two-way game, you know, both ends of the ice. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, I really like the development of Carlo and what he's been able to do. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, obviously, you know, if and when they get Chara back, that's going to help, you know, that's going to help. So um, yeah. they're getting there. I just don't think they're there yet. I'm with you on that, exactly. And, Joe, before we let you go, I, I want to tell our listeners, uh, uh, you know, that you're recovering. I want you to let them know what you've been going through, and I'm glad to see you're back on the road. Um, I really admired what you did to bring awareness to your condition and how it can happen to others. So if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about what's been going on. Yeah, honestly, Murph, you know, it was, um, it's not something that I'm comfortable talking about. Um, but obviously, you know, I put that little PSA out on, on Twitter a couple weeks ago. And, and um, so I was diagnosed with skin cancer. Um, and fortunately, they, you know, they caught it early enough. And, and I had a couple surgeries and they were able to go in and, and remove a tumor from above my left eye. Uh, the reason why I did that PSA and the reason why I, you know, I will talk about it is because I'm, I'm 43 years old and, and I shouldn't have this condition. Um, you know, the surgeon told me I'm by far the, the youngest patient that, that she's ever had, you know, with, with this condition. So, um, you know, maybe it was, you know, it's a fair Irish skin, you know, being out in the sun and, and I never wore sunblock and, yep. you know, rarely wore a hat, you know, if I was out playing golf or just, you know, outside doing whatever. And, and the years covering the Red Sox when I was down at spring training, you know, for, you know, weeks at a time in that Florida sun, I never wore anything. And, and I remember at one point, you know, Terry Francona, when he was managing the Red Sox, he even kind of made a comment to me one time, like, like, come on, Joe, you got to like put something on. And I just kind of laughed it off. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm convinced that, you know, the reason why I, I was diagnosed with this was because of, of all those years out in the sun down in Florida and, and not putting anything on. So, you know, even if, you know, the prototypical, you know, if one person hears, hears this and decides, well, next time I'm out in the sun, I'm going to put a block, some block on or wear sunglasses or put a hat on, you know, maybe I'll, maybe it will help. Um, but fortunately, you know, they were able to catch early enough and uh, I was banged up for a little bit. You know, I look like a hockey player after a fight, but, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm back to work, back, back to the grind. And, um, you know, it's healed, the, you know, my, my face is healed you know, really quickly, which I was a little surprised about, but obviously I'm happy with. And, um, so it's just something that, you know, I don't want anybody my age or younger or anybody for that matter, you know, to, to deal with skin cancer. You know, there are other, there are other cancers that obviously are a lot worse, but, um, you know, any kind of cancer is, is nothing to mess around with. And, um, so that's why I, you know, I did what I did and, you know, put the video out there just to maybe raise some kind of awareness, you know, for somebody to be, um, you know, a little more uh, proactive in, in protecting themselves from the sun because it's a, it's a serious thing. And is this something you randomly found out? And if so, how can people go about maybe, you know, checking it out? Should they fear something might be wrong? Well, I, not even a, a fact of if they fear something's wrong, Murph. I mean, you know, my thing is you go, you go to your doctor every, every year, right? Well, why not go to derm, dermatologist, you know, make an appointment, Mm-hmm. Get a full body scan, uh, especially if you're, you know, blue eyed and fair skin like myself. Yeah, um, like us. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, the great Irish skin, but get checked. 
Um, and the one thing that it was, I, I had this bubble above my eye, and I just thought it was like a skin tab, like there's no big deal. That's what happens when you get older. And thank, thankfully, my eight-year-old daughter um, noticed it, and she had said, you know, Daddy, I, I don't like the way that looks. You got to get that removed. And I just kind of laughed it off, like you know, my daughter just being this cute little girl and worrying about her dad and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And um, I had another spot on my face that um, that kind of scared me a little bit, so I went to have that checked. And the doctor wasn't even concerned with the spot on my chin. He was concerned with the spot above my eye. And, and he said, you know, just wow. told me to lay down and right away said, hey, well, I'm, I'm going to biopsy this. So they biopsied the, the spot and they said, you, you know, we'll have the results in, in 10 days. And two days later, you know, the doctor's office called and said, hey, it's skin cancer. And, you know, you have, you know, surgery scheduled for November 17th. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And wow. so it was something that they didn't mess yes. around with, and, and I'm glad, and you know, they, uh, they got it early enough, so, uh, you know, knock on wood, everything's all set, but yeah, I just, I just urge people, I'm not in the business of giving advice, but just urge people to go out and go to a dermatologist wow. and, and get checked, so. Well, Joe, as I said in that tweet to you, 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 you meant a lot in my life, and I'm glad you're okay, and I, I say the same to anyone out there that might, you know, detect anything, definitely, it's never, it's never too early to go get checked, so. I appreciate that, Joe. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll look forward to that story on Jack Eichel. <laughs> All right, Murph. I appreciate it, man. All right, that's Joey Mack joining us from ESPN.com here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. And you know what? He was he was always good to me along the road. Help helped get my start over there when I was working with ESPN, so I thank him for that, and I'm glad he is okay. Uh, we will be back with a segment we did earlier this week. We want to play it again because some people missed it and were asking if I could play it again. Uh, and is with TSN and NBC hockey analyst Pierre Maguire. So stay with us here. The stretch run continues from Buffalo Wild Wings in Concord, 8 Loudon Road. We'll be back. From hills and farms, the call to arms was heard by one and all. And from the glen came brave young men to answer Ireland's call. was long ago we faced the It's the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. ESPNNHradio.com. This is the most beautiful thing I ever seen. Find the latest schedules, show blogs, podcasts, and all the breaking sports news in our area. From high school to the pros. Awesome. Want some new apparel? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Visit ESPNNHradio.com for shirts, hats, and all things ESPN New Hampshire. Woo! We've got it all here. Just visit our website at ESPNNHradio.com. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Sometimes it takes us time to get used to the idea that a team is really good. Even though they're always hyped, the Cowboys were 4-12 last season, so it's hard to wrap your head around the thought that the Cowboys are real Super Bowl contenders. Entering tonight's game against Minnesota, they have the best record, and they've done it in impressive fashion. 
with a great running attack, great quarterback play, and a surprisingly good defense. Still, some people are probably waiting for the other shoe to fall. Maybe that the quarterback Dak Prescott is too inexperienced, or they can't rush the passer. And they're the Cowboys. How can they be great when Jerry Jones is calling all the shots? But there is one thing that is hard to deny. That offensive line is great. They push everybody around. Dominating up front is usually a foolproof plan. Now, they face a tough assignment tonight against the Vikings in Minnesota with that great defense. But so far this season, the Dallas Cowboys have passed all their tests with flying colors. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Hey, American Express card members, there's never been a better reason to get out and shop small in your neighborhood. Because now, through December 31st, you could earn two times your rewards when you shop small with an enrolled American Express card. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash ShopSmallOffer. It always feels two times as good to support local stores, and now it's two times as rewarding. Prepaid and corporate cards, cards issued by other financial institutions. The Plum Card and certain other cards are not eligible. Reward cap and other terms apply. Sadly, folks, Buffalo Wild Wings cannot remake your fantasy football season. They can't tell you who you should have benched or who you should have started. But Buffalo Wild Wings can make your lunch hour a lunch hour that's worth it. Every weekday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., they've got the B-Dubs Fast Break Lunch Menu with awesome options like wings and shareables for discounted prices. And they have their TVs tuned to the latest analysis, so there may be hope for your fantasy team yet. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer Sports, please. You feel like you've been benched or sent down to the minors? Are you paying the correct amount of child support? Let a team of experts help you out. That team is Bardis Law. There is nothing more important in your life than your kids. You wouldn't cut corners for them? Don't cut corners on your legal representation. Don't show up without your starters. Going to court without an attorney is like playing without a coach and without a playbook. Let Bardis Law get you back in the huddle so we can call the play. Call Bardis Law at 603-420-8588 or visit www www.bartislaw.com With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Looking for a stylish place to call home? Then you need to check out the brand new apartment homes in Lowell at 24 Merrimack Street. The apartments at 24 Merrimack Street are located in historic downtown Lowell and offer unique apartment living within an historic 19th century building. Residents enjoy brand new interiors and unparalleled lifestyle amenities. Just moments from downtown Lowell's boutique shops, cafes, and entertainment. For more information, please visit 24MerrimackStreet.com. Again, that's 24MerrimackStreet.com. Is your business in search of commercial property? Garrison Glen Corporate Park, located in Exeter, New Hampshire, is a highly desirable suburban business park located just 10 minutes from Portsmouth. There are four lots remaining, ranging in size from approximately 10 to 20 acres. That's Garrison Glen Corporate Park in Exeter. Don't let this opportunity slip away. For more information and other property listings, visit CushmanandWakefield.com. CushmanandWakefield.com. Look for the 
bare necessities. The bare necessities of healthy living are easier than you think. You better believe it. And the food pyramid shows you the way. With just the right amount of exercise and the necessary grains, vegetables, fruits, milk, and meats and beans. Just the bare necessities of life. So eat right, be active, and have fun. Yeah, man. For your own path to a healthier you, visit MyPyramid.gov. This is really living. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Ag Council. T-shirts, hoodies, and more are now available at ESPNNHradio.com. Get your gear today. When the wind blows wild at night, does the breakers melancholy? If you stand in the dark with your ears to the wind, you could hear the sounds of Molly. Deep in the dark of the old mine shaft, you can smell the smoke and the fire. And the whisper low from the mine below is the ghost of Molly McGuire. Well, I tell ya, boys, Nicky Doyle is my name, and I come from Carbon County. And they shot the sentence more than that. Ben has it far side. Back to the blue line. Honka. Now Alexiak. His shot. They score! It goes off Petrangelo. And in. Play. Tarasenko goes to the front. Instead of Laterra. The Tarasenko shot. He scores! Game winner! That's a good Here's Tavares off the bench. Jamie won't pull the trigger. Looks for another angle. Tip by Hickey. Scores! It's Thomas Hickey. And the Islanders have won it. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. I had to play my friends, the Peelers from Montreal, sons of Molly McGuire, since we're bringing on a McGuire right now from NBC and TSN. Joining me now is one Pierre McGuire. How are you, Pierre? Good, James. How are you? I'm great, my friend. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Thank you very much. It was uh, delightful to have family and friends. Lots of people down from Canada and Connecticut where we live and some people from across the border in New Jersey, but we had a bunch of people. We had a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. And did you get to take in any of the college hockey over at MSG? Uh, I did not. I was actually uh, in some other hockey venue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm aware of what happened there with Cornell winning. Um, but I had a chance to watch a lot of hockey, and I worked on Friday with Eddie Olchuk and Doc Emmerich down in Philadelphia on the uh, Flyers and the Rangers Oh, game. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was a heck of a game. The Rangers are starting to... Really look good there, but I want to actually tell you we were talking to uh, UNH head coach Dick Umilly earlier, and he oh, was telling what a great man, what a great hockey man. I've known yeah. Dick probably thirty five years. I uh, spent a lot of times in different rinks with him around North America, and he has done a phenomenal job in terms of creating a great legacy uh, up at the University of New Hampshire. And uh, my boy was up there not this past summer, the summer before at the USA Regional Camp, and Dick's just built a phenomenal, phenomenal program he there. Really, right after Charlie Holt and everything the great Charlie Holt did, Dick's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, he has, and they're getting ready for two big games against UMaine, and uh, one of their guys they have now, I don't know if you've had a chance to see him play. He's not drafted yet, but he's leading the league amongst freshmen uh, with 11 goals. He's leading the nation right now, is Patrick Grasso. Have you seen him play yet? I have not. I've heard a lot about him. I have not. I'm looking forward to seeing more and more college hockey as we get into it. I've seen a lot of Harvard. I've seen a lot of BU. I've seen a lot of BC. I've seen some Cornell. I've seen some St. Lawrence. I'm looking forward to seeing you know, as many as I can um, until we get to about January 1st, Jimmy, and then 
<laughs> and then my schedule gets a little crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, you got. Are you doing now? What outdoor games are you doing? Now I've got year? all the outdoor games, oh, including back to back Toronto and Detroit, and then the next day I'll be in Bush Stadium in St. Louis for uh, Chicago and St. Louis. It never gets old. I also have the privilege of doing Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in February at Heinz uh, Field, which is it never gets old at Heinz Field. It's an awesome venue. That's awesome stuff. Hey, speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, what a start Sidney Crosby is off to, Pierre. And I was looking at his stats, and uh, it's just amazing what he's done considering he missed basically the first two weeks of the season uh, with the concussion there. But it got me thinking, you know, because we're here in New England and it's all a lot of talk about the Patriots and what Tom Brady has done and, and how, in essence, that suspension uh, for four games uh, really helped him because it, it you know, gave him a little more rest than usual. And considering that the Penguins came off the Stanley Cup and you, you have that usually inevitable cup hangover there, do you think, in essence, that, that, that two weeks could have helped him a little bit more and helped him get off to this start? Well, the other thing you have to remember, he's coming in with the fatigue factor of the World Cup. Well, that's right. So I think all put together... You're seeing some guys that that really started well that played in the World Cup because they had a bit of an advantage. Now they've kind of hit the skids a little bit. So your point is even more magnified. That extra 10 days coming off the World Cup, I think, has really helped him uh, continue to be really strong, whereas some of the other players, and you can look at even Connor McDavid, who start, who's leading the league in scoring, started out unbelievably, kind of hit the wall, and now is bouncing back again. Um, I think there's some guys that you know didn't have the luxury of having those 10 days at Sid, and that's helped them a lot. And, of course, uh, Boston fans love the fact that Sid was teamed up with two of their favorite players, Patrice Bergeron <laughs> and Brad Marchand. I mean, the, the chemistry they formed there uh, was unreal, Pierre. And I know you're a big fan of Bergeron and Marchand. Um, you probably weren't as surprised as many others there. But tell the listeners here why you think they blended so well with Sid. Well, the first thing I can tell you, I go back to Sydney and Patrice in the 05 World Junior in Grand Forks, North Dakota, Jimmy, and that's the best team Canada ever sent. And they did a tap dance on the Russians that had Ovechkin and Malkin playing on the same team. Wow. In fact, to the point where they knocked Ovechkin out halfway through the second period uh, with a shoulder injury, the hitting was just ferocious. It was Dion Phaneuf, Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby with three hellacious hits on Ovechkin in the 05 World Junior, but the line at the World Junior that dominated for Canada was Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, and a guy by the name of Corey Perry. Oh, yeah? Pretty good line. Yeah, that's not bad. (laughs) Yeah, so now what you've done is you've basically taken a slower and skillful Corey Perry and put on a skillful and very fast and very determined Brad Marchand onto that line, and you see how it just flourished. It was just unbelievably overwhelming and omnipresent the entire tournament at the World Cup. So I wasn't surprised. As you said, I know the players pretty darn well, those two players in particular from Boston, and uh, I'm not surprised they thrived playing with Crosby. Now, Pierre, you know Brad over the years has been one of these players that has always uh, walked the line in terms of, you know, not crossing it, not uh, laying a hit from behind or having to be careful. Sometimes he's crossed it and, and gotten into trouble for it, but he's really, I thought, he's learned a lot over the years and matured, but I thought there was a turning point, at least in my eyes, it came last year at the Winter Classic when he was suspended. And I sat in front of him in the press box there covering that game, and I just remember looking up as he's watching the Bruins just get humiliated by the Canadians in a grand stage there at Gillette Stadium. And just the the look on his face, and I went up to him after off the record, and I said, you know, obviously you're not happy, but I haven't seen you look this 
like upset and he said well I completely let my team down and I I really feel that and I never want to feel this way again and I feel like since that moment he's really become uh not just a contributor and, and a solid player in his team but an NHL superstar I think there's a lot of merit to what you just said Jimmy and I look at it and I think back to the tutelage that he, you know, thrived under from Mark Recchi during the cup run in 11. You know, I was doing all the games between the benches, and I could hear the subtle coaching from Mark and Patrice towards Brad during that time. I think back to the 07 Super Series, Canada's best under-20 players against Russia's best under-20 players. Milan Lucic was the leader of that team for mm-hmm. Team Canada. Marshan was on the team, and I remember him getting sat out of Game 8 in Vancouver, basically benched. I think that really helped him early in his career, learning about the discipline you have to have, then learning from Bergeron Recchi during the 11 Cup run, and that suspension you talked about. Those three things, I think, have done more to help him than anything you can imagine. But the other thing that I really respect him for, a lot of guys get the big money and they take some time off. He got the big money, and he's playing better. And he's become such a leader out there, yeah, too. I eh? totally agree with you. Yeah, for sure. And you look at that line right now with Pasternick. Uh, Pasternick's another one there who you know, struggled a bit on the two-way play, Pierre. Um, and Claude Julien got a lot of flack, as he always seems to do here. People say he loves to just kill young players' style, and they, they don't really look at what's going on between the lines there. And now he's come back, and he's playing a great two-way game. And he's completely credited Julian for really teaching him how to play defense. He he just didn't have it in his game. He said, I wasn't used to this. And it struggled a bit, but Claude, you know, gave me the chance. Why do people get so upset about uh, Claude and the way he handles that? Because from the way I look at it, you look at the job he did with Martian, you look at the job he's doing with Pasternick now, I don't understand the flack he gets. I don't either. Um, I've been a pretty staunch defender of his in a lot of different markets, whether it be Montreal or New Jersey or Boston. And um, I think it's a, a tribute to him that he survived as long as he had in one marketplace. Not easy to do. I don't know why that happens, but it's just, you know what, when you sign up, and I coach in the league for a long time, when you sign up for duty as a coach in the league, you got to know that there's going to be a lot of slings and arrows. And if you have thin skin, you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, like anything in the public eye, if you've got thin skin, you probably shouldn't do it. Um, and you can't take things personally. And one of the things I think allows him to survive, he doesn't take a lot personally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's interesting. You bring up Pasternak. And I remember being on, and this is a good story for your listeners, I remember being on a plane with the great Michel Bergeron, who he and I were doing the Montreal Canadiens oh, yeah. games. He on the French side, I was doing it on the English side. And I remember him talking to me about a player, and I won't say the player because he's still in the league, but he says, Everybody talks about how good he is without the puck. They all talk about how good he is without the puck. How about what he does with the puck? He does <laughs> nothing with the puck. And he says, give me a player that can do something with the puck. I can teach him how to play without it. I want him to do something with it. Yep. And so I watch Pasternak play, and I say, he's pretty good when he has the puck on his stick. Yeah, he's, he's unreal. I mean, he's just got this natural feel around the net, too. And he's, he's hitting, too. He's getting a little physical out there, eh? Uh, yeah, which I think is good, Jimmy, because obviously you learn over time the importance of this creating a little bit of separation with some unpredictable physical play. And I think it, as you grow up in the league, you learn more and more because you're watching star players have to survive. And one of the ways the elite players really understand how to survive is they're sneaky smart physically. They really are, and that's an important part of the game. For sure. We played a clip there uh, from the Islanders game last night coming yep. in. 
And I don't know, Pierre, if I was a betting man and I was in Vegas and I was to put down money on which coach would be fired first, Jack Capuano or Gerard Gallant, I, I think I would have lost a lot of money. What the heck is going on in Florida? Uh, they Only they know for sure, but clearly it's a problem between the modern newfangled analytics crowd and the more state and, and, you know, old school boots on the ground type of hockey people and Gerard's in the old school mm-hmm. part of it and Tom Rowe apparently is part of the new school. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's really wrong for people to prejudge what Tommy's going to do as a coach. I worked with Tommy for two years in Hartford I know when Tommy I was coaching there. He was the yep. assistant GM. So I think it's wrong for people to prejudge. But that being said, and I've spoken with Gerard, I've spoken with his agent, Neil Glassberg, over the last day and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Florida did wasn't done properly. If you want to let a man go, that's fine. Let him go. But do it in a professional manner, not mm-hmm. the way they did it. Um, this reminds me so much of Montreal when they had Pierre Gauthier as their general manager, and they traded uh, Mike Camilleri during a game in Boston. As I was there. Opponent. They didn't even let him on the bench for the yep. third period. That's not what the Montreal Canadiens are all about. So, uh, and the Florida Panthers shouldn't be about firing coaches the way they did Gerard Gallant. You, you know, you bring up this old school versus the new school and the analytics and everything, but what, what confuses me here, Pierre, is a man that they already bumped upstairs, and a lot of people, I think, didn't take it as a promotion. They took it more as a bump, and that's Dale Talon. And, and from what I know, just from people within the Florida organization, people that have worked there and no longer there, but that know Dale well, and just from what I know of him, he was one of these guys who was willing to adopt some of these new philosophies and blend them with the old school and really made a sincere effort to put it all together and apply it to the team. And it seems like the rest of the people there right now and the people that are in charge, they don't want to blend. They just want to go 100% new school. And I don't know if that's necessarily the way to go. And I have nothing – well, I have been pretty critical of analytics, I guess, but – I still think there's obviously a place for it in the game, but I think that nothing can replace the human eye. Nothing can replace knowledge of the game and a feel for the game. And I feel like they might learn this the hard way. Well, you get to see a team a lot in Boston that's really forged an identity as being the big, bad Bruins. Now, are they the same as they were in the 1970s? No, but no team is. The Philadelphia Flyers and Broad Street Bullies aren't the same either Mm -hmm. because times have evolved. That being said, you show me an analytic equation that can create a formula for measuring the size of a man's heart or measuring the size of a man's will to block a shot or measuring the size of a man's will to take a hit to make a play or or, uh, playing with the puck in traffic and having the ability to contain it and then make the players around him better. There's no analytic formula for any of those things I just presented to you, Jimmy. And that's why you do have to have the human eye. Sure, puck possession matters. Chances for, chances against, those things matter. Save percentage, those things matter. But, but you hit, there's still so much in this game. Yeah. Patrice Bruce, I'll give you an example. This is for Bruins fans. Go back to 2011, a real exciting time in the Bruins franchise history. If you were to look at the uh, analytic numbers on Danny Paye, Gregory Campbell and Sean Thornton uh-huh. during that entire season. I think they graded out in the bottom 15 in the league, the three of them. Well, if you go back to that playoff run in particular and, and you look at game seven, mm-hmm. just look at game seven and the importance of the role players for the Bruins and why they won as handily as they did in Vancouver. Yep. It'll show you why analytics really don't always matter. And to look back earlier in that series, Pierre, when, uh, when Claude uh, took uh, Sagan out and went back to Thornton, 
Yep. And, and and Thornton goes over right in the beginning of the game and just sort of stares down the Vancouver bench, and we all know what happened after that. Every game in Boston was a completely different game than it was in Vancouver. And, well, and the, especially after what Aaron Rome did to Nathan Horton. Exactly. Yep. It changed the whole dynamic of the series. I mean, I was down there between the benches, and you could feel it. You could feel it. So you give me an analytic equation that can, can measure that, and then I think there might be some merit to it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, listen, Pierre, before we let you go, I know you know all the prospects around here and you're high in them. Any players we should be keeping an eye on that aren't drafted yet that we can go see maybe in some of the college games or high school games around here? You know what? It's a little, it's a little early to really give you the names, um, and I don't want to put pressure on kids, especially the young ones. Okay, understood. But when we talk again in early January, yep. I will give you a list of names. But I, like I said, I've been really enjoying one, one guy I've really enjoyed, and he's already drafted. He's a Bruins draft pick. I've really enjoyed watching Ryan Donato play at Harvard. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching Alex Kerfoot uh, play at Harvard. Um, uh, you know, there are just so many. All the kids, all the first-rounders in particular, BU have been great to watch. I've really enjoyed watching them play. So there's a lot of good ones around. There awesome. are, and I, I'm really looking forward to getting into it here. Uh, I have a little boy, as you know, that goes to school up in Boston, so I get up there a fair bit, and I get it. I get around the rinks a lot. <laughs> now, they're over. At, you got a boy over at Belmont Hill, right? Yeah. All right. You tell him to be easy on my arrows, okay? St. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian arrows. That's a pretty good rivalry there. Oh, Billy awesome. Burke, my buddy, is the headmaster over at St. Sebastian. So yeah. I used to run hockey school. I was Philly. a graduate there in 93. So. <laughs> there you go. All right, Pierre. We appreciate you taking the time. You have a good one. Happy holidays, my friend. Thanks a lot, Murph. Stay in touch, and I look forward to seeing you very soon. All right. Sounds good. That's Pierre McGuire of NBC and TSN, and I'm sure he's getting excited as well. He said about the juniors coming out. The world juniors are going to be in Toronto and Montreal. I might have to trek up there for some games, Sully. Maybe we'll do a remote show. Remote. We'll do it. We'll do it from McLean's. All right, at Peel Street, and we'll uh, we'll get the World Juniors coverage up there. But hey, listen, stay with us. We're gonna uh, we're gonna switch gears and talk some basketball and look back at the Celtics win last night in Miami with our own Patrick Gilroy here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Down the mines, no sunlight shines. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN New Hampshire. This is the famous Budweiser beer, brewed with the choicest ingredients since 1876. 139 holidays strong, decking the halls in an eight-horse open sleigh, aged over beechwood for a crisp, smooth finish. Anyone can jingle all the way. Only Budweiser can macro all the way. Budweiser. This Bud's for you. Enjoy responsible. Budweiser Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Which is worse, a trip to the hospital or the fees and bills that come with it? At the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Center, they provide a comfortable and friendly environment while offering high-quality imaging for open MRI and low-dose CAT scans and ultrasounds, all at an affordable price. Their modern technology allows for accurate diagnosis while ensuring complete patient comfort and safety. For more information or to set up an appointment, please call 603-622-3670 or visit bedfordsurgical.com or baskimaging.com. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is a place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. 
The Sports Blast. Let's say the season ended today and they go to Toronto for one game playing in the wild card game. Who is your starting pitcher? David Price. Given how bad he's been this season, Dave, given how bad he's been in the playoffs in his entire career, you still go to Price? Yes. Why? Because he's the guy. Who has the best stuff in this starting rotation? Price. Thank you. That's Obviously all I Price. need to know. He one game, been. one day, who has the best stuff in your rotation? If it's David Price, that's your pitcher. Every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today, or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. One hundred and sixty thousand kids stay home from school every day for the same reason bullying. This is Scott McGilvery, president of the National Education Association, New Hampshire. Bullying impacts nearly one third of all students every year, but it takes just one caring adult to intervene and help stop the bullying. Take the pledge to be that adult at NEA.org slash bully free. A message from NEA New Hampshire. Listening to the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire and live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Eight Loudon Road in Concord, New Hampshire. The place is packed up since we got here. People are in here. They're getting ready for the Bruins, Hurricanes, and the Vikings and Cowboys on Thursday night football. Come on down. We got some great beer specials. We got you 349 Bud and Bud Light Talls, 499 Goose Island IPAs, and of course, all the flavors and different types of wings you can imagine and they're uh i already forgot the name of it boneless thursdays i think they call it and they they got uh good deals on the boneless wings here 65 cent boneless wings uh compliments to pete terrier there telling me thank you pete and uh and then what did they call the thing the burning the burning test they have here 
The Blazing Challenge. I dare anyone to take it. I won't be taking it. I'll tell you that. Joe and I were talking about that white Irish skin. You do not want to see what happens if I did that. Uh, but come on down here and see if you can do it. I guess only two people in the last two years uh, have passed the Blazing uh, Test here. And you know what? This is a great place. The service was great. I want to thank the staff here. Uh, and thank everyone for having us here. Thank Pete Terrier for organizing this. And, of course, Justin Sullivan for uh, working the boards. And Justin just said to me, he's bouncing around during that song. Uh, of course. You know, he likes that. That's yeah, my favorite right play that there. with the band, right? Oh, he that was. play that with the band. That's our, that is our favorite song. There's no question about it. No doubt about it. That is our favorite song. It was our favorite song to play, and it's still one of the best. I love that. Love it, love yeah, it, love it. It is a great tune. It is a great tune. The Mighty Mighty Boston's there. And I'll also send that out to... Uh, Karen O'Donohue, and I know uh, Karen is going through a tough time, just lost her dad, and uh, we'll let you know we're thinking of you here, uh, Karen, and uh, you know, condolences to you and your family um, as well, and we'll send this one out to you and your family. Uh, again, sorry for your loss, and uh, thank you to everyone for joining us here in the Stretch Run. It was a great show as always. We'll be back in the studio tomorrow, but remember, every Thursday we're at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Next week, it's the Buffalo Wild Wings in the Manchester Mall. Or the Mall of Manchester, they call it. And then we'll be back here the following week in Concord at Buffalo Wild Wings and then back to the Mall of Manchester. So every Thursday, we're at a Buffalo Wild Wings here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. So come by and say hello if you're in the area. We'd appreciate it. Again, Buffalo Wild Wings, Concord, New Hampshire, 8 Loudon Road. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So